Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for bringing us all here together today. And pray that you speak to us. And pray that you use my words to speak into people's lives, Lord. And I just pray that you be with us here in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've been doing a bit of a series on grace and truth that comes from one, uh, John 1, 4, which says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And, of course, I wanted to give you a Greek word. The Greek word for truth is aletheia. Say it with me. Aletheia. Aletheia. It's a lovely name. Aletheia is deeper than what we would translate truth. It is. It's fact. It's reality. We would say some people need a reality check. We would, if we were in ancient Greece, we would use that word aletheia. Aletheia is reality. It's the truth. It's not, it's not just about a word being true. It is the truth. And we've had some great messages over the past uh, few weeks. Pastor Ben spoke about grace last week. And uh, I know Mao spoke about the, uh, the woman caught in adultery, spoke about grace in that as well. I think someone is coming next week speaking on grace, maybe next week. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but grace and truth. And so today I wanted to focus on truth because truth is, believe it or not, is subjective. We had the, uh, I wouldn't say honour, but the experience of being involved in a situation recently where someone's truth was different to somebody else's truth, but they both swore that they were true. And in lots of ways, I believe them that from their perspective, it was true. And from the other person's perspective, it was also true. But the problem is, the two truths together can't be true at all. There has to be some grey area in that. One person's truth is another person's lie. And unfortunately, the world that we live in today is full of these polar opposites and contradictions. Any of you on Facebook would have seen this week that news outlets were banned from Facebook. And I wouldn't necessarily recommend that Facebook was a great source of truth. But now without some even reputable news... Who knows where we're going to end up? Because, I'm not sure of the statistic, but studies have shown that most people now get their truth from what they read on Facebook or in social media. You can't trust the news, right? There's a very famous man in America, who I'll mention again in a little bit, but he coined the term fake news. And what did that do? that put doubt in our minds about what was real and what wasn't. And regardless of what the actual truth is, your truth might be different to mine. I want to give you an example. Okay, hands up if this is white and gold. Hands up, black and blue. 
Hands up, uh, gold and black. <laughs> okay, this. Anyone see any other colours? Other? Purple. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. Now, <laughs> this is a great example. This picture nearly broke the internet. Not too long ago, there were fierce debates, arguments, threats over whether or not this dress is gold and white or black and blue. I'll let you have a good look at it. Purple and black. When I asked Larissa last night, she said black and gold. Or blue and gold, sorry. So just, just by show of hands, just quickly, all of those who think it's anything other than black and blue, so it's not black and blue, hands up, please. Okay, right. I'm here to tell you, you're wrong. You're wrong. It's black and blue. Thank you. This is making my job a lot easier today. No, I bought the dress myself. No, I didn't really. <laughs> I should have worn it. That would. I'm sure if I was wearing this dress, no one be, would be concerned about the colour of the dress. That would be the uh, least of the issue. Okay. It was proven. This dress is black and blue. The interesting thing is... Even after there were other pictures, because obviously this is a little bit grainy. It is a little bit, you know, the background's a little bit washed out. The, the lighting kind of does throw different colours on it. You know, it's not, it's not intentionally deceptive, but it makes all of us, or a lot of us, see things different. And the difference is based on what your perception is how you perceive things with your eyes makes you see this differently. And you know what's amazing? This is, there is no tricks in this. That picture is exactly the same picture for all of us. That picture on the screen is the same for me who sees it in black and blue and for others who see it in white and gold. This is the same picture. Isn't that amazing? But yet, we can all see it different. Moving on. Here's a picture. <laughs> this man needs no introduction. I'm not sure of copyright laws, actually. If he finds out I've used this, he might sue us. But, but this is one picture of the ex-president of the United States, Donald Trump. This is another picture. Now, this picture is the exact same person. On one side, he looks like he's angry and yelling and really, you know, telling someone off. And on the other side, he is smiling and really nice and he looks like you'd be happy to leave your grandkids with him or your kids with him. Now, based on what you think of this man, 
you will see each of those photos in a different light. Either one of those is true and the other one is less true and we all know it's the same person so obviously we know that it's Donald Trump. But based on what you think of this man, one of those photos is going to look more true to you. If you think he's a nasty person, the photo on the left is probably what you think he looks like all the time. And you probably think that the photo on the right is just a cheesy grin that he's put on because the cameras are on, right? The one on the right is a little less real than the one on the left. But if you happen to think that Donald Trump is an amazing man who has done amazing things in America, then you might think that the, fi the picture on the left is an opportunistic photo from a journalist who just happened to catch him in the middle of a sneeze or, <laughs> or the face he makes when he's telling someone how much of a great job they've done. Depending on what you think, you're going to see each of these photos differently. And you know what's amazing? This man, I don't want to get into a political debate, but some say that this man is a master of creating alternate realities. So good, in fact, that he convinced millions of people in America that their recent democratic election was rigged and that people were fudging the vote count and so much so that a band of people, a gang of people, took it upon themselves based on what he maybe had said, which he was not, he was acquitted of, but people took it upon themselves to feel so passionately about the fact that the election was rigged and it was being stolen that they stormed the capital where parliament was being held, broke in, people died, people were injured. Very, very serious. Very serious. Now, I'm not saying he's right or wrong because I'll be honest with all of you, at some point through watching Rudy Giuliani, who was his lawyer, and other people on TV saying the election was rigged, in me, I'm just being honest with you, in me I think impossible because I believe in democracy, especially in a country like America and Australia. I don't believe that elections are rigged. That's, that's what I feel. But somewhere in me thought, what if he's true? What if he's right? What if they are rigging the election? What if this is the biggest tragedy for a democratic society in the history of democratic societies? What if it's true? Anyone else think that? Good. <laughs> the point is, that thought process tells us something about ourselves as humans, about the way that we have been made and formed by our Creator. We have this thing in us called confirmation bias. Does anyone know what confirmation bias is? Anyone heard of it before? I'm going to give you the definition out of the American Psychological Association. Confirmation bias is the tendency to look for information that supports 
rather than rejects one's preconceptions, typically by interpreting evidence to confirm existing beliefs while rejecting or ignoring any conflicting data. That's a very technical summation of confirmation bias. But let me break it down for you like this. Confirmation bias is the tendency of people to favour information that confirms their existing beliefs. Confirmation bias happens when a person puts more weight to evidence that confirms their beliefs and also undervalues evidence that might disprove their beliefs. The effect is stronger for emotionally charged issues and for deeply entrenched beliefs. Now, you might be wondering why is this important? Well, it's important because when we talk about truth, we also have to understand how God made us. And he made us in his image. Des spoke about this, of being in the garden. Without confirmation bias, we would not all be in this room today. The fact is all of us here, or I think most of us, share a bias that Jesus is real and Jesus is the Son of God and we love him, we dedicate our lives to him and so our joint bias forms us into this community. We want to be together because we all believe the same thing. Now if I was to stand up here and tell you that Jesus was not real, which of course I would not do, I'm pretty sure that all of you would have the same feeling that I would have, which is, that's not true, right? But we live in a world where people believe that to be the truth. You try telling an atheist that God exists and they will laugh at you, right? I'll give you a few examples. Has anyone ever had an argument? <laughs> she's shaking her head straight away. Have you ever had an argument with, say, your partner? And you're really angry and you need to talk to someone. So you ring someone close to you and you ring that person that you know is going to back you up no matter what. <laughs> right? They're going to tell you that you're right, no matter if you're right or wrong. Right? <laughs> see some, I won't point them out, but I see some, I see some people making eye contact across the place. Do you know what that is? That's confirmation bias. That's seeking out someone who you know is going to affirm what you were thinking in the first place. And what you're thinking is that you're right and they're wrong. That's confirmation bias. Give you another example. <laughs> I've, do, I've done this way too many times. Has anybody gone into a clothing store and tried something on in the cubicle and thought, oh, I don't know about this, doesn't, doesn't feel right, I'm not sure if it's me. And so you walk out to where the mirrors are and they intentionally put the mirrors out of the thing so you have to come out with whatever you're wearing and the sales attendant says, oh, that looks amazing. And you know what happens? In your brain, initially you're thinking, I'm not sure about this. As soon as they say, you look amazing, I think you're right. 
<laughs> I think you're right. I do look amazing in this. <laughs> uh, and what do you do? You buy it. And you get home and look in your mirror. <laughs> and, you, and your wife says, what did you buy that for? <laughs> but in the store, you're like, does this come in any other colours, please? <laughs> I'll take one of each, yeah. You know what happens in that moment? Someone is affirming what you want to believe. And that is that you look good in something you probably don't. I'll give you another example. Parents. Parents have confirmation bias with their own children. And it's horrible. I mean, I'm not, not for me because my kids actually are perfect. <laughs> but... They are angels, my girls. (laughs) And I'm sure if any parent came up here, they would tell you the same thing. It is... (laughs) Yes, yes, about my children, yeah. (laughs) Probably about their own. They might have a differing view of my children. I doubt it, but they might. And if anyone does, I'd like to hear it. I can reset your expectations. (laughs) Parents have a bias towards their children, whether they're right or wrong. Am I right, parents? And what, what happens, parents, this is, I'm sure you've all been there. Have you ever had, those of you who have children, have you ever had someone come up to you and tell you about something that your kid has done? And straight away you think, well, who were they with? <laughs> Anyone with me? <laughs> who were they with? Oh, with little Johnny. Well, I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying my kid's perfect, but, you know. <laughs> I'll give you another one. <laughs> Nona cracks up. She, she knows that's true. Have you ever, I do this all the time as well, I'm sorry, I apologise in my head for having an argument with you, but has, has anybody ever had an argument with someone over something that actually never happened? Anyone? Let me explain. <laughs> You've just bought, <laughs> you just bought a new top from a shop and the, uh, the sales attendant made you feel like it was the best thing you've ever done. So you're wearing it out, you're expecting everyone to say, that is an amazing top. Where did you get it from? And someone just happens to go, G'day. And then walks off. And in your mind, you might be a little bit upset that they didn't recognise your new top or how good it looks. This is a silly example, but... <laughs> they make a face that you interpret as them thinking that you don't look that great. Or having a conversation with someone and they say something that later on you reflect on and you think, what did they mean by that? Anyone have that? What did they mean? And then you interpret it as them being nasty or not, not meaning, not having best intentions. So you think about what you would say to that person next time that same thing happens, right? Your thoughts are based on your perceptions of that person. Last one. 
and I will not go into this one very much. But vaccinations are a hot topic at the moment. <laughs> I'm not going to ask for a show of hands if you believe in them or not. There's evidence that shows that vaccines are safe. There's also evidence that shows that the government are putting microchips in the vaccine so that when, it inject, when you get injected with the vaccine, the 5G towers will turn on, which will... I know, I know we're, some of you are laughing. I'm just saying... There is evidence out there that shows, you can read it, that shows that the microchip will be, will be turned on as soon as they turn on the 5G towers and we'll all become robots. We'll become mindless. I don't even know what the outcome will be. My point is, if you want a truth, whether it's true or not, whatever truth you want, you will seek affirmation for it. Flat Earth, that's another good one. Some people absolutely convinced that the Earth is flat, regardless of the evidence, because there is evidence out there that shows that the Earth is in fact flat and the rest of us are nuts. Here's the point. We seek affirmation even at the expense of truth and reality. I'll give you a minute to think about that. We seek affirmation even at the expense of truth and reality. Now, I know that that's not a conscious thing. We don't, we don't seek out to prove lies. But what that means is we have a belief in us and because of that belief, we will seek information that affirms our belief and we will discard information that disproves our belief. And so when we talk about truth, it's very hard, honestly, to find what is the truth. What is the truth? And we say that Jesus came in grace and truth, in reality, in aletheia, but what is the truth? Could anyone stand here with their hand on their heart and tell me the truth about any of those things that we've talked about? Funny enough, the answer is yes. You probably all could. Because all of us have a confirmation bias which tells us that what we believe is the truth. And on top of that, we seek out things around us to tell us that what we're thinking is true in the first place. Are you with me? So... What is the truth? And I have the answer for you today. And as I'm going through these, feel free to use your own affirmation to either agree or disagree. That's a bit of a setup because you couldn't disagree with these. But the truth is that we live in a fallen world. The truth is we do have confirmation bias. The truth is that it's hard to find the truth. But do you know what the truth is? The truth is that most of those things mean absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of our lives. 
the truth is, is that there is a truth. And the truth is this. In John 3, 16 and 17, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's the truth. That is the truth. Someone could try and convince me that that's not. You, I mean, never's a long time. But I'm confident in saying that you will never convince me that this is not the truth. For a whole range of reasons. But we're all here together today because we all believe the same thing. This is the truth that matters. John 1, 4 and 5. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus, God, is the light, and the darkness has not overcome the light. That's the truth. If you're in a dark place, you've got to remember that truth. The light has overcome the darkness. 1 John 5.20 We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. That is the truth. That's the truth that matters. He is the true God and eternal life. That's the truth. I've shared this one many times before. It is my favourite. But this is the truth. Romans 8, 31 to 39. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life. That's the truth. Is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'll read that again. We are more than conquerors through him who loves us. That's the truth. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. That's the truth. 
You know, we, we get so caught up in day-to-day life, and I am a victim of this too, trying to find the truth, trying to find our way through life, trying to know the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do. Sorry, not the wrong thing, but trying to find the right thing and not do the wrong thing, right? We, we spend so much time talking to people, reading things, looking for answers, wanting to know what's right, what's wrong, what should I do in this situation, how should I interact with this person, should I say something to this person, should I not say something to this person, what if I don't say something to this person, what's going to happen? The truth is that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that every single one of us can have eternal life through him. And he didn't come to condemn us. And I want to say, if you feel condemned about something, then that's not the truth. But on the flip side, Jesus also doesn't condone all of our behaviour. That's not the truth. Because he came in grace, which we've talked about, the amazing example of the woman caught in adultery, where Jesus stoops down and says, where are your accusers now? Neither do I accuse you or condemn you. That's grace. Picking her up off the ground, dusting her off and saying, I love you, I don't condemn you. But he also says, go and sin no more. So he's not condemning her, but he's not also condoning. That's the truth of our God. Now, I, I could not possibly even think that I'm either qualified or knowledgeable enough to stand up here and tell you about all of the truths in life. Because another reality is that there are very few black and white situations in life. I think that's a blessing. Because what do we do in those situations? We should seek God. So, here are a couple of tips from my opinion, on how to know the truth. The first one is read your Bible without bias as much as possible. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, which is us, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, All scripture, not just the ones that affirm what we believe, right? Not just the ones that make us feel all warm and fuzzy inside, but all scripture from Genesis 1 to Revelation 30 something, 20 whatever. Anyway, from the first word to the last word, all scripture, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that we can be equipped for every good work. It's very difficult. I I am no different to anyone else. Reading your Bible without bias can be really, really tough. But if you're only picking out the bits that sit well with you, then you're missing the point. The second one is pray. Pray. 
that God shows you the truth. Ask God to help you. John 8.32 says, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How can you know the truth? The real truth? By reading your word and inviting the Holy Spirit to speak within you, to enlighten you, to show you the truth. Whether it's really what you want to hear at that time or not. But the truth is, God does have the answer for you. God is the answer. And the last one is, and this one's difficult, keep people in your life who are willing to tell you the truth. Not just are willing to tell you what you want to hear at the right time. Not just side with you all the time and say, yes, oh, that person you've just had an argument with is an idiot. They don't know what they're talking about. Because quite often... In arguments, there are two sides of the story, right? In anything, keep people in your life who are willing to tell you the truth. And Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. One person, one woman, one man. Iron sharpens iron. Has anyone ever seen iron being sharpened? No, it's a very old, you know, example but when you sharpen iron, there, there are sparks, there are heat, you know, there's, it's dangerous. You might get hit in the eye with a spark or you might cut yourself on the sharp blade. But if you don't sharpen iron, it becomes ineffective. It's just a blunt knife, good for maybe spreading butter and that's about it. But who just wants to spread butter? That's easy. You want to be able to cut through trees and... That's the reality. You know, I'll say this again. I'm no different to anyone else. When I've had conversations with people who tell me the truth rather than tell me what I want to hear, sometimes I don't want to hear what they've got to say. Sometimes what they're saying to me is difficult and tough and confronting. And it's asking me to take responsibility for what I have done and what my part is. And they reflect back to me the truth because they love me, not because they want to upset me. And all of us need to have those people in our life who tell us the truth, no matter what. But they tell us the truth in love. And they tell us that they love us and they want us to be free. They want us to find the truth because the truth will set us free. But they don't just pat us on the back all the time and tell us how good we are because, in essence, that's what we want. You know, the one thing I didn't put up here, which I probably should have in hindsight, but the, next, the very next bit after this is if you want that freedom, if you want to know the truth and you want the truth to set you free, the reality is we have to be obedient. When someone presents the truth to us, we have to be brave and courageous enough and obedient in the right situations to believe in the truth enough to, to act on it. If I'm standing on the edge of a cliff, a big cliff, and I jump, I'm going to die, and someone says to me, don't jump, you're going to die, 
it doesn't change the fact that I'm standing on the edge of a cliff. I have to trust them, take a step back, turn around, have them walk with me back in the right direction. And that is part of having a good, healthy relationship with God. That's knowing the truth. And it's important to know the truth because the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. So I wonder if we could just finish up and pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you that in a world of chaos, where truth is hard to find, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us the truth in your word, that you have given us the truth in your son, that you have given us the truth in grace and truth that you don't condemn us, but you also don't condone every action in our life. But the truth is that you gave your son so that whoever believes in him can have eternal life. You did not send him to condemn us, but to give us life to its fullest. And I just pray, Lord, for all of those here today, but especially those who are in a dark place, who are struggling with doubt, struggling with a decision to make. I just pray, Lord, that you speak into their lives and remind us as often as possible that light shines in the darkness and that darkness has not overcome it We just thank you, Lord. That you will never leave us or forsake us. That we are more than conquerors. No matter what we face in life, because you are with us. That's the truth. I just thank you, Lord. that you are with every single one of us, that you have given us the Holy Spirit. Speak to us individually. And I just pray, Lord, even as we start this 40 days of prayer, that your voice is so loud that it's unmistakable, that there is no confusion through this time of prayer. That you protect people as they're praying, Lord. Protect their minds. Help them to focus on the truth. I pray, Lord, in your name for revelation, for freedom, for breakthrough, for answered prayer.
prayers for new levels of understanding of you, for deeper relationships with you and with each other, to heal broken relationships, to heal broken hearts, to heal broken bodies. Your light just shines throughout our community. The people are drawn not just to a church, but to a relationship with you. We just pray, Lord, that you bless this time. Pray that you answer prayers in your name. And pray for your blessing over every one of those interactions, Lord. Pray for your spirit to be tangibly present with people. as Damien was sharing talking about the truth and the truth shall set us free last year Paul had an experience of that of God's truth setting him free and uh, you can enlighten us more on it if you like but Paul's had some difficulties over the years and some struggles that he's faced and and um, last year I went to their grow group and it was question and answer night. Ask the pastor any question you want. And um, Paul asked me about reading the whole Bible, like Damien was sharing about, and, and reading the Old Testament. Like, why would you read the Old Testament? <laughs> he was, uh, he's tried to read it in the past and he hasn't understood it. And he made a decision after that night to start again, didn't you, Paul? And uh, he started reading the Old Testament asking God to speak to him and asking God to show him the truth. What Do you want to t- tell everyone what happened? Or <laughs> well, basically, he started to be enlightened. He started to see what was going on and he started to hear from God through God's Word. Not reading it from any bias, but reading it, God, I want to know your heart. I want to know... And I don't know about you, but to me, I've known Paul for probably 15 or so years, and he's been a different man in the last six months or so. And it's because he's gone to God's Word and said, I want to know the truth. I want to know you, God. I want to know who you are. And I I just want to encourage everyone here. We're starting this 40 days of prayer. I've chosen passages in the New Testament a lot of the epistles and there's stuff in there that you will go I don't understand everything that's going on here ask God ask the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth the one who reveals truth ask him to speak to you and even if you don't get the answer then come and talk to people that you trust people that you know will tell you the truth and let's use this 40 days of spending time it's only one chapter a day now actually one chapter will take you depending on your reading ability, will not take you more than 10 minutes. 
Who can spare 10 minutes of their day to allow truth to wash them and set them free? Amen. So I want to encourage you with that. Um, yeah, it's only something small. Um, one thing that I really have grabbed onto over the past six months is not in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, when Jesus said, Ask and you shall receive. And if we really believe in that, God is faithful and true. And he will give us what we ask for if we ask with the right heart. And he also said, knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Now, when I pray now, I I open my heart to, to God and I say, show me what you want me to do, God. And something just goes on in my head and in my spirit and he makes it clear what he wants me to do which before for so many years I've just been walking around in circles so let's go from this place with that mindset and that heart God whatever you want us to do show us through your word Uh, If you want to come back tonight for the prayer and worship time, you're very welcome. Come and join us. And let's start this next 40 days fully engaged, fully with our eyes on Him. Amen.